Hello, 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 and welcome on this fabulous, fateful Friday to an upload of my podcast episode. You are now tuned in to WDGS on your podcast station. I am your host. Ooh, delighted to bring you the most of what did God say? What did God say today, today, today? God said, everybody's got a story. Everybody's got a story. Oh, everybody's got a story. And I tell you, oftentimes, I'll interject parts and testimonies of my story. Because the Bible says in Revelations that we are overcomers by the blood of the Lamb and the power of our testimony. Our testimony is 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 provided with hopes to encourage, but oftentimes even when you give your story to encourage somebody, they still may be discouraged because of their perception. And that's one thing, you know, that carries a lot of weight in this world today is the perception. And that's why, because there are so many diverse mindsets of people, that we all can walk in such a different perception, even of the truth, the testimonies, in the faith, and many, 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 many other different things. But I've been pondering in my spirit, you know, Pretty much now, tomorrow be a week about different things on my journey, you know, and I would go back and I would take what's called a refresher course. You know, um, we I always give an analogy that the world is like a big classroom and in that classroom, there are always teachers and students, but one of the most profound and greatest teachers that I have ever came to know was that of the Holy Ghost through the Word of God. And because that is so profound to me, a lot of times I have came when I reflect and revisit and rewind in my God spirit, not in my carnality of my thinking, because I'm putting myself before God. When I ask Him this question, I said, well, God, what is it? Why is it when I do execute words or testimonies or even deeds, you know, I am always placed in front of somebody else's eyes. And I'm saying this because people have boldly informed me that it was something about me. And it wasn't nothing nice. You know, and but one of the most critical words that I used to hear is that can't nobody tell you anything. And see, I'm going to tell you, they are absolutely correct. Everybody cannot give me proper instructions. And that's based upon Psalms 1, which is one of my most favorite, 
favorite scriptures in the Bible. Blessed is the man that walketh not in the counsel of the ungodly. Now we all have a story. And if we want to share our testimony of how we've overcome and how God has blessed us and how God has moved for us and the things that God have done for us. Because truly, my testimony is that I have lived more off of favor than finances. If it took money to help me survive, I tell you, I would have been a wealthy person. But it took the favor of God. See, in my story down through the years, my first profound, and I mean everlasting memory, profound power of prayer was when I was nine years old. And from nine years old up until right now today, many things changed in my life from bad to better. Because of prayer, not because of my obedience. I was not always obedient to the word of God that I knew, but I knew the power of prayer. And I was reminded based on my characteristic spirits years ago by a cousin of mine, uh, Evangelist Noel, that I carried a spirit of David. And at the time, you know, I was in my early 20s and I couldn't understand it. But the more and more God has blessed me to continue to keep living, I do understand more and more. I remember the first time that God instructed me to really just study on David was back during the time back in the 80s, the late 80s, when you had to stand in line the first of the year. To get your tag for your car. And at the time I was living in Macon, Georgia. And I think I stood in that line. I went early that morning. But the line was super long. It was all the way from the Grand Opera House. Round from the courthouse. All the way down. All the way over to Riverside. And everybody was just slowly moving. Oh I thank God. Don't we thank God for change? Oh I thank God for change. I thank God that they came up with a systematic plan. Where you go on your birthday now. But that was the last time I stood in that line. And throughout the entire time, you know, people would walk past me because I stood there with my Bible and I remember reading my Bible the entire time. And, you know, I didn't see anybody else with a Bible, but you know what? I wasn't looking for anyone else with a Bible. And that's the thing about me. That I know sometimes it may behoove some people because of my peculiarity. You know, I may be very peculiar because I don't mind standing in the public and reading my Bible while I'm standing in the line at the tag. I don't mind sitting in the unemployment office and reading my Bible while I'm sitting there. I didn't mind taking my sword with me everywhere I would go. And anytime I had to sit too long, then I knew I would take it out of my car and take it in the building with me. That's because I was constantly hungry and thirsty to know everything within my downtime about God. And I'm going to tell you what ended up happening. And even back as a child, it was mandatory in my grandmother's house 
that you had to study your Sunday school lesson. But you know, I didn't just study it because I knew I had to. I actually was very, very enthusiastic about studying my Sunday school lesson. And one reason, because when I got to Sunday school class, I wanted to be able to raise my hand and give a proper answer. Now, I don't know about anyone that's in my listening ear right now, but if you have always had this tenacity, when it came to the word of God, it's a lot of people advice. When you live like that, you don't need to listen to a lot of people in your ear because you are listening to the most important voice that can ever, ever be in your ear. Now, unless a person is caught up, and see, that's where I come in and speak boldly, and I give no glory to myself, because oftentimes when you know how to hear from God, and you know how to get down the business with God, then you are seeking God for an answer. But you know, the more I live, a lot of people want to be idolized because they want to give you the answer and they want you to listen to their answer. And when you don't listen to their answer, that's that's generally going to be from how they feel, then they kind of get offended with you. And then they want to tell you what you think you know everything. All because you don't listen to them. But you know, I've always been perplexed When people want to give you advice about something that they haven't even conquered or even touch base to do. If a person has never ever went into a car lot and purchased a brand new car, they can't really tell you all the complete details of what it takes. Now, they may can give you some information, especially if they work there, that can bless you. But it's more to it than once you buy that car and you get it home. See, it's more to it than owning it outside the dealership. If a person has never put money in the bank, then they can only tell you they can save money. But they may not know what it's like to have overdraft protection. Oh, my God. Mm. Or they may not know what it's like to have the perks that the bank may give and the kickbacks from having an account or the interest that bears from a savings account. And then certain banks even have interest-bearing checking. But it depends upon the level of information. Oh, my God, that you know that when somebody come up to try to tell you and they said, well, I saved money, but I never had a bank account. And I said all that to say this. It's hard to embrace what somebody tell you, especially concerning your life, when your relationship with God stands where it do and theirs don't and that's anything that's anything it's hard for a person even though you know they can go to school and they can receive an education on child development but if they don't have children 
They can tell you what I call the textbook information. But the everyday, the everyday that you have to wake up in that house, endure, go through, lie down, wake up. They go through different seasons and changes and challenges from toddlers to preteens to teens and all this stuff that come with it. And especially if they're females, because you got hair and nails and monthly attitudes from cycles and everything that the textbook may inform a person. But it's a completely different thing when they have to live with that person. When they have to make sacrifices. If it's raining, if it's sleeting, if it's snowing. <coughs> Excuse me. I'm still working on my little cough and cold. It's getting better though. Thank you, Jesus, by the name of Jesus and the grace and mercy. Thank you, Lord. But They can't tell you what that sacrifice feels like. They can't tell you what the sacrifice feels like when when your age says that, you know, everybody is being social. Everybody's hanging out. Everybody's doing this. And especially when you're a single parent, male or female, and you want company and companionship, but you got to think about making the sacrifice because... You're trying to teach by example your children because that's what God instructed you to do. Now, then there are people that will come along and say, oh, well, you know, just come on, go with me and just come do this and let's go do that and let's go do that. But your, your restrictions come when that voice of God tells you, well, who are you going to obey Now, I told you to stay out those clubs because when you were going to the clubs, you had, even though your children got up some age, they didn't need to be in that house at night unattended. Remember, you have girls. And so the Holy Spirit would checkmate me and it said, would you be all right? You may feel like you want to have fun. But you will be okay. My cousin told me, Evangelist Enola, she used to say, well, it's a long road that don't ever end. Because sometimes I would call her in the middle of the night. You know, and I felt like to be in my 20s and my 30s. You know, that I had just no life. But just mothering and nurturing. But she reminded me and encouraged me through the word of God. And she used to tell me, it's okay. It's a long road that don't ever end. And one day they'll get grown. She said, and then you'll be free. Because the streets will still be out there, the club and the social life. And then you can go anytime you get ready. She said, when you get old enough and they get grown enough to do that, she said, you probably won't even want to go. And so right she was. And so it's oftentimes many people don't know it was always somebody who could tell me something. But I just didn't, I had a hard time and still do embracing some hypocrite advice. And I'm not saying hypocritical advice, just like what Jesus told the Pharisees and the Sadducees. Y'all trying to lead people to the church because hypocrites come in more ways than one. He said, because y'all so busy worrying about the outside appearance, but on the inside, 
Y'all need deliverance. How you going to invite people to church? Now, that's what Jesus taught. And ask them to come to y'all synagogues. And when they get in there, they're going to be just a messed up of more than they was before they came in. Because y'all got too much drama up in here in this synagogue. Oh, my God. And see, by me studying God's word, that's give you a real keen sense on how you can try the spirit by the spirit. See, some people like to act like they can discern things. But, honey, let me enlighten somebody. People be discerning from their personal feelings. Because, see, discernment don't operate personally. The discernment operates spiritually. That's why it's considered a spiritual gift. And although it come without repentance, that means that, yes, a person could be a full-fledged, bona fide, rattlesnake, mean as they want to be, sinner. And they still can have that gift. But it will not make room for them except they walk upright before God. They just It's just in them. It's just like having a million dollars in the bank and you don't know it's there. And even if you know it's there, you haven't figured out how to go to the bank and make a withdrawal. And be just like R. Kelly, where he said all these years, that was his first time going to the bank. And some people have not really been to the spiritual bank. Because see, one thing about that spiritual bank that I have truly learned from all my heartaches, my headaches, my damage. That spiritual bank. It will not allow you to listen to everybody. The spiritual bank won't let everybody tell you what to do and you do it. See, when you know your place in God, and that's what I want to encourage somebody today. When people start thinking that they can't tell you anything. When you know that you know your place in God, let them know you are absolutely correct. Because if you haven't raised children, you can only give me a limited advice on how to raise children. So unless somebody been married, they can only give me limited advice on a marriage. Unless somebody had a relationship to know what it feel like to be whooped and scorned and 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 and, and physically abused for, for because somebody envy and jealous of that woman or man. See, we all have a story. But Father God, in the name of Jesus, as I sit here today, no one, no one, I'm trying to compare. Uh, my story against theirs. But there are a lot of people who cannot empathize through experience of what I've gone through. And because they can't, you know what? I had to get, and I said can't, but I know that's not grammatically correct. I know it's cannot. But sometimes you just have to pronounce it the way it just comes. 
Because some things in life, that's how I had to live. I had to live and deal with things how they came. I had to live and deal with people who was always ostracizing me, who was always talking bad about me, people who was always trying to figure out what my next move, people who was always concerned with who I'm dating and what I'm wearing and how I'm finna fix my hair and what car I may be in or what man may be in my house and in my life and being what where was I living, what was I coming, and going and doing and you know the sad part about it that's something that really never concerned me about people if they wasn't in my inner circle with whatever they did on a personal level it didn't have it didn't bleed over into my house (laughs) I didn't even need to know if they didn't choose to tell me I'm trying to help somebody get delivered For so many years, I'm telling you, and like I say, it started at nine years old. I'm going to give y'all five scriptures after the rest of this little part of this testimony. And I'm going to let this podcast come to a fabulous Friday with full of flavor and hope it helps somebody, somebody to be strong in the faith. When I recognized and realized my grandmother was my grandmother, my grandmother and my granddaddy were my parents, I remember distinctively. I was three years old. And I had to, to, to not get set in my feelings. And when I saw my biological daddy, I was five years old. And that's when the realization, well, let me back up and rewind. That's when the real realization came that my grandparents were my grandparents. I kind of sensed something because I can't remember them before three. But it didn't validate in my life until my biological dad showed up one year for Christmas. So that's the first time I remember seeing him at five years old. First time I remember seeing my biological mother, I was nine years old. And this is not to discredit anybody, but this is to let people know that you can choose to wallow in your feelings or you can choose to rise above what you feel and continue to press on. But nobody helped me press on. Nobody. On my birthday, at 11 years old, my brother got hit by a car and he died. Nobody told me how to process my feelings. At 12 years old, my, my, a, a relative tried to fill up under my dress and tried to tell me not to tell nobody. On the, on the way home from church with my grandmother that lived in Macon. And then after all of that... The first time I did lay down with somebody, I had just started my cycle. And it was coming up Valentine. And I was 16 years old. And I didn't know anything about even a cycle until it came on. I didn't know a word about it. Nobody explained that to me. And nobody explained to me that the first time you be with somebody that you could conceive. And then after that time, I immediately left and moved up north. So I never laid down with him throughout the rest of my pregnancy. Then I had to go through my pregnancy by myself. All by myself. To the point that when my own biological mother that I went to stay with, she didn't even know. Initially for some months. And then I had to go through 
what I had to go through in order because when people don't like what you have done, like I have been told, well, when you make a mistake, should your, should your parent just give up on you? Well, that's where I was. Because the first thing when they did find out was said to me, I, you done messed up your life. I thought you were going to try to be something. People don't know my story. And like I said, that's just the tip of the iceberg because that was as a teenager. Imagine since then. I was, I was held hostage against my will. Repeatedly. Sexually raped. Not molested, but raped. Because it was against my will upon the threat of my life. And even after that, I still didn't have any knowledge that I had. That, that they, you know, when people do that to you, they don't know if they're going to leave you with a disease or a child. Well, they didn't leave me with a disease, but they left me with a child. And that was a hard pill for me to swallow and to face. So I had to make another decision. That was a hard decision to make. But all throughout my journey, I've had to make some hard decisions. But that decision was so hard to make. It took my mind to a place to desire to commit suicide. But it was a man that was my biological dad. He came to the hospital by my side. And he shared these words with me. And he said, There is nothing in this world that should be that hard for you that you should ever want to take your life. And those words that he put in my ear, it strengthened me. Because, see, through all of these changes and challenges I had been going through ever since I couldn't recognize and realize from three years old, nobody really just gave me a moral support. Because all people was looking at, well, she fast. You know, that's what people like to say. When you a fast little girl. Because because you got wisdom and knowledge. They didn't tell me that. And somebody said, well, come here. Let me put you under my wings and let me guide you in the right direction. I realized academically you make good grades. Let me be supportive to you. See, that didn't happen to me. So therefore, whenever I was going through and then I didn't turn to drugs, I didn't turn to alcohol. In my times of just sheer breakdown, I would cry out to God. Because them same people now that say, couldn't nobody tell, can't nobody tell you nothing. They weren't trying to tell me anything back then. But but how awful I was. And that's how people are. They so quick to say how awful somebody is or what somebody don't do right. And so nobody encouraged me except my cousin Enola. And then after I got grown, the more I got engaged with people in the church and in the fellowship, then people began to speak into me. But I didn't know what it was. Nobody told me with my five children, well, you need a break. So let us keep them for two weeks for the summer. I didn't know what that feel like. Because out of five children, it was always three or more in my house. 
And that's how it was. And you know what? And I didn't shift the blame. I didn't get mad and fall out with people who were related to me because they didn't offer to keep my children. My God, I want to encourage somebody with my testimony today. And even after all of that, you know, the very man who encouraged me to say there is nothing that bad in life that you should ever want to take your life. Five years later, I had a phone call that said that's what he did. He was working for the railroad, had been working for him for 25 years. And I got a phone call and said, your dad put a gun to his head and he shot himself. And the first thing came to my mind was what was so bad. The very advice he gave me in his life that he felt the need to take it. And out of all the, the older heads over me, the three most people from the time I was five, who showed me an unconditional love was my grandmother. And when she died, I was living up north. And when that phone call came from a cousin down south, after the person who answered the phone got off the phone, they looked at me and they said, it's your fault that my mama did. Because you got pregnant and she couldn't handle it. And it took her out. And I lived with that guilt. And I lived with so much guilt. And I still didn't hate people. And I just want to encourage somebody today. Before I just found my way to just hate people. And say all manner of evil against them. I would always turn on myself. I would always turn on myself. And I asked God even then when that person said that to me. I felt so bad. I said, Lord, I'm so sorry. Whatever I did wrong, God, please forgive me. And if I could trade my life for hers, I would. And then the next person that died was my favorite uncle. And we were just on the phone three days before he got killed. And I had went to meet him in my hometown. And he asked me, he was at the airport. He said, well, I supposed to be on my way there and get me a taxi. But I need to run back and make a trip up north. He said, but what you want me to bring you, baby girl? That's what he always called me. And I said, well, you supposed to be here for my birthday. And he said, I know, and I apologize. He said, I've been to Florida, and I overspent. He said, so I got to go back home. He said, but I promise you, he said, I promise you, this the last words he said to me, I promise you, I will be home by the 4th of July. And he was, because his funeral was July the 3rd, which was a week later from my phone call. And you know when that happened, that was the second closest person. The person that I could always go to, my grandmother, my uncle, and my daddy. Well, that was the third person. But my dad died after after my uncle. That no matter what, 
They didn't judge me. They didn't they didn't tell me that I need to have the right attitude and personality to, for them to deal with me. See, I saw love through them. That that even when a person don't act the way you want them to act and they don't talk the way you want them to talk, that you still will love them and be loyal to them. You don't have to turn on people just because they not the way you feel they should be. But I get that a lot. I get that a lot. See, people won't support me because they don't like the way I am. Because they don't like if I tell the truth. I'm not running around here telling lies on people. And like I always say, if, if your business on Front Street anyway, if somebody else know it, become like my grandmother used to say, if more than one person know it, it's not a secret. So why you going to hate on me for repeating something that you already put in the atmosphere for people, other people to see? But just because I made a comment on it, then I, I, I'm the person to be disliked. Oh, my God. I hope somebody get delivered from my testimony today. <laughs> But as time moved on, then I end up, I have two babies that was birthed and lived. And one lived almost a month that I embraced, got adjusted and used to, and passed away for medical reasons. So I have two babies in the graveyard. So I know what that feel like to bury a child. Because some people haven't experienced that. Never. Then I know what it felt like. That when you thought you met a man. And you had a good relationship with them. And you was faithful to them. But they were turning around. And not just being with somebody else. But trying to get with your friends. Your friend girl. Or your cousin. Or your auntie. Or your sister. But you being faithful to them. Or your daughter. Everybody got a story, but everybody may not have my story. Amen. And that still ain't got it all. But whatever situation you've been in as a female, I want to say this. If you've been physically abused, so have I. If you've been sexually abused, so have I. If your name is scandalized and you've been mistreated and you've had to bury children and you've had to start over all over again because you had nothing and I've had to start from nothing. I'm saying no job. And even when I didn't have a job after I wasn't working at Geico back when I was 25 years old, they wouldn't even give me government because they said I was married and that my husband income didn't qualify me for a welfare check for food stamps or Medicaid. And when I went to the agency, I said, ma'am, my husband and I are separated. I moved back to my hometown. He don't even live with me. And this is what them people told me. They said, well, that could be true. But we can't help you for the first six months. Now come back in six months. So for six months. For six months. I had no income. No income. With five children in my house. And that's when another level of Christ. 
entered into my atmosphere. Because every day I woke up, I prayed, and I fasted, and I sought God. And it took favor for God to touch people's hearts to come and bring something. My children didn't know. I sold everything in my apartment. Everything. Except the bed that they slept on. And I didn't care if I had to sleep on the floor. Long as my children, long as they had beds and TVs. I I sold it to buy pampers. Because at that time I had two babies that were six months old in pampers. And I had another little girl 11 months older than her. And nobody knows my story. Because when I went back to my hometown, I had to take an apartment. I, I had been abased. But I had to be abound. And I moved from a two-level house with a pond and, and, and two and a half acres in the backyard to the projects. But you know what? I didn't go in there condemning nobody in no projects. Because I don't condemn people. I've always said I can get along with people if they hang out at the hole in the wall or if they hang out in the White House. Because people are people to me. See, that's how I see people. People are people. (coughs) And we're all subject to error. We all have made mistakes and fallen short of the glory. Who am I? But I seem like I'm always condemned. And it's okay. Because God gave me some tough skin. But when I got down there in that project, I stayed to myself. And, and then I had just walked off from my husband because of some physical evidence of him having an adulterous affair. And my heart was heartening. I couldn't take it. And I didn't want to hurt him. So God made a way of escape. And when I got down there, people was boldly coming to me, saying, I heard you move back. And they say, they say, they say what they said. They said, you on crack. And God is my secret judge. Not only was I not on crack, at that time, I didn't even know what crack looked like. So I had to learn how to suck up my feelings. I'm saying people would come and say this in my face. What they heard. Because they seen my furniture going out the door. I guess they thought I was on some drugs. But I was just trying to survive. To feed my babies. To feed my children. And that was in 1988. And I never forget. It was October. Because when December came, when Christmas came, you know what? To this day, they remember we sat on the stairway and I took my clarinet and I I played Christmas songs. And I sat there with the Bible and I read them the story of Christmas from the Bible. But they don't even remember. They say they didn't have one toy because I didn't have no money, no Christmas tree. But yet... I kept my head up. I fed my children. And I didn't go out there and get a man to be with in that season. I was just trusting God. And doing what I thought was the best thing to do. Is to walk up right. So when it comes to sacrificing. 
I can tell you about some sacrifices. And it wasn't always because I ran out and committed no sin. Like people used to think I did. It's so many times people thought because they man came around, they man was with me. I didn't want they man. And half of the time when they came, even now a lot of brothers call me. I talk and encourage them with they old lady or with they wife. One guy used to come. That's all he used to sit there and do is try to talk about ways to keep his relationship with his girlfriend. But I never forget. And I told his girlfriend that I even invited her over. I said, you could come over and play cards with us. This was like in the 1989-90. She did that. But she still had a suspicious mind. And I never forget one day she came and she just threw all that man clothes on my front yard. And God knows that man don't know what's under my dress. And I don't know what's in his pants. But I have always had to suck up and endure and try to take the high road. Because people's perception of me has always, I'm talking about people real close to me. I'm talking about closer than close. Sometimes that you even breath in the world and they still don't know you. Because they don't understand you. And this one I'm going to conclude that. A lot of times. I don't feel that nobody should have to. Expose their hurt. And their pain. And keep reliving. What they don't want to do. If they don't choose to do that. You can't make people share their story. If they don't want to share it. And then what you going to do with it. If they share it. Just to think you got something else to gossip about. That's why a lot of people want to know your business. Because everybody that done hurt me down, down, down through my life and my years. I never said call them up and felt like they need to regurgitate everything that went on in their life. To make to figure out why, why, what's going on with me and their relationship. You know, me and my first husband, for the first time, we sat down and talked about stuff in our marriage probably about five months ago, six months. And we had the best conversation. We really did. Stuff that we just never, because you know what? I never pushed him. I never pushed him to tell me why. All I knew why is that I had my own pain and I dealt with it in my own time. And sometimes that's what we just need to let people do and just love them anyhow. Because no matter what happened, he's standing on two feet, breathing and living. I never denied him to see his children. And it wasn't about whether or not he was what I felt he was the right man or gave me the right amount of money. They were still his children. And not only did I keep my door open for any man who I had a child from, but those three last children, they dad was the only one that made an effort. And because he made an effort and nobody else did, that's not my fault. Because see, my personality stayed the same. Just like he was welcome, so was any of them other two was welcome. If they wanted to come, they could have came. And you can't make people, and because somebody, you're not making somebody do something, don't mean you don't do your part. 
You just understand. You grown and you can't make grown people do what they don't want to do. Some of us need to truly level up to a level of maturity and stop trying to hold things over people's head that they never had the power to change. They never had the ability to change. You can talk to people just like I'm talking to you on this podcast all day long. And 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 and, and when I get through, it may the information may suck with somebody and somebody else may dispose of it like they hit the delete button and delete something in their computer but everything is should be embraced with people on what we choose to embrace if we don't want to embrace it be okay with it don't don't feel that you have to keep a sign on your back and always feel you dangling on a hook because somebody want to hold you to what they didn't do because a lot of times like I said all my hurt dying through the years nobody came back to me and tried to even ask me, how could I make it better? And when I say nobody, I'm talking about the people that really hurt me. In my relationships with family and spouses, nobody came back and said, well, how can I make this better? You know, I sat down and I thought about how I treated you and what I did to you and what happened to you. The most you get from people is I'm sorry. And that's it. And you know what? And I got so mature in Christ, they didn't even owe me that. They really did. Because see, when God in Christ enters your life and in your heart, to creating you a clean heart, you won't even need that. Because you're going to still conduct yourself accordingly. I still open my doors. Whoever wanted to come in my door, exes, family, friends, and some of them I know people that were my folk, I still open my door. And they were more than welcome. They could lodge, they could stay, they could eat, they could drink, and we could be merry and laugh and have a good old time. If they need to use the car or if they need a dollar, because that's how I am. But sometimes people act like they don't remember me like that. Anything I say, it's like I'm I'm, I'm put on the clothesline. Have you ever been like that? No matter what you do, no matter what you say. People still hang you out on the clothesline like you dirty laundry. And people wondering why you hanging out there and that, that, that sheet is, that is dirty. So you know what? I'm at a place now. And I'm, I'm going to definitely bring this podcast to a close. Like I said, my testimonies, I can go for weeks and days. That's just some of the highlights, you know, the bullets. And that ain't even all the bullets. You know, but I just have been learning how to stay encouraged in God. Because God showed me in the middle of the night when I used to cry myself to sleep that it's going to be all right. In the middle of the night when I had to be standing on faith because I didn't know how I was going to feed my children tomorrow. And the thing is, I always ask God to cover them from even knowing. That's why a lot of times I never discuss my business with my children and over my children. Because I didn't want to grieve them with knowing what was going on with me as a grown up. What they going to do about it? They don't need to know that my heart is broken. What they going to do about it? You know how little kids, they going to feel bad for their mama. They didn't need to know. I didn't speak ill about my children's dad just because me and him had problems. And only thing, you know what I encourage my children? Well, I knew they would be grown and learning for themselves. But to always respect him. I don't care what they see him. I don't care what he's doing. Respect him. Because, see, that's what God instructed me to teach them. 
to obey and respect your parents. So I had to do my part. And even then, I still had some people, relatives and friends, that used to say, I wouldn't let him see him if I were you. I wouldn't let him. So that's why I'm saying, you can't listen to everybody. People going to tell you how they feel. But that don't mean how they feel is right. See, God didn't tell me that. So that's why, yeah, a lot of people can't tell me nothing. Because God didn't tell me to to treat their daddy like that because I'm upset with him. Because he hurt my feelings and broke my heart. That's not what God told me. And if I had listened to people. I even had one person to tell me. If I were you. I'd take all three of them. I don't care where he at. And I'd just dump them on them. And let them and let him raise them. And I said to myself. Even when they said that. I said well. Wow. What mother. Would do that. And even don't even know if the children going to be safe from hurt and harm. Because I knew he was living a lifestyle that wasn't comfortable for me. You, I ain't trying to get back at nobody. And all I'm saying is this. I never had a get back spirit. I never had a get back spirit. I have always spoke boldly on my feelings and how I feel. If you hurt me, <coughs> if you hurt me, excuse me. I'm going to let you know you hurt me. If you made me feel some type of way, I'm going to let you know you made me feel some type of way. And you know what? And after that, I'm not going to harbor it. Me and them, me and my ex, we could still live in the same house, still get along. I turn right around the same day and say, what you want? You want to go out to eat? You want to go do something? Because I don't carry no grudges. I don't have time to hold that stuff in my guts. Because that's the kind of stuff that make people sick. That's the kind of stuff that wear people down. That's the kind of stuff that bring curses over your life. When you harbor bitterness and envy and jealousy, you have to let that stuff go. And once you, excuse me, once you let it go, that don't mean you need to deal with me. Because it don't hurt me if you don't deal with me. And I hope you ain't hurt if I don't want to deal with you. But it's not because I have any ill feelings. Sometimes it has nothing to do with our feelings, but we see people for who they are. And there are just certain people just like all the way back in school. It's certain people you migrate to because y'all have some good commodity to be friends. And it's some classmates, you, you still think they wonderful people, but y'all just don't click. And there's nothing wrong with that. And it's sometimes like that even with family members. Some people you just don't click with. But people want to dissect for, ooh, you like her better than you like her. You like him better than you. Oh, is she your favorite? It don't got nothing to do with who favorite. And to hear people who say they bona fide Christians to say stuff like that. Like they haven't matured long enough to know. And everybody got family. It's just certain sisters that you might have a, 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 a camaraderie with. That y'all can flow, <coughs> excuse me, flow in a harmony. Oh, God. It's time to calm my voice down. My God. I'm still working on this little summer, spring cold. But it's just some people. You just have a comfortable feeling with. And some people you don't. It's nothing personal. You know, one of my longest classmates who passed away some years ago. 
And I don't even know if she even knew or really recognized. But for years, I mean, just really, really close friends. And no matter what, (coughs) excuse me, I never forget from the sixth grade to the day she passed away. When I tell you nobody could come and tell me nothing negative about her, I wasn't trying to hear it. Well, she knew what I know from the sixth grade. Because somebody stepped to me and they said something negative about her in the sixth grade that I didn't like. And I remember correcting them. And I told them that was my friend. And I don't care what everybody is saying. And if she didn't tell me and I don't know it to be true. I said, don't come in my face saying nothing bad about her. You know, and I and I carried that. And I even was challenged, you know, with my ex. He he had issues. Because I told him the same thing. I said, don't come telling me anything negative. And sometimes, see, people don't like that. They don't like it. They hear you said something about them. But you got a loyalty to certain people you won't say nothing else bad about. See, then they try to turn around and tell lies on you. But you know what? I grew to a place, and this where I'm finna close this podcast for somebody, hopefully, to help you. When you get to a place where you truly recognize that God is your defense and your defender, then you don't have to concern yourself with what people think, feel, or say. Because at the end of the day, God is going to defend you. Amen? Amen. And the scripture right quick is 2 Peter 3 and 18. Grow in grace and knowledge of the Lord. Hebrew 4 and 2. And I'm going to put these in the little box in my podcast. For the word is alive and it's active. James 4 and 7. Submit yourselves unto the Lord. John, in the beginning was the word. And the word was with God and the word was God. John 17 and 3. Now this is eternal life that they know you. That they know you. The only time God and Jesus Christ whom you have sent. So that's all that's most important. Do you know God? Don't worry about knowing me. I went on and gave some of my testimony so I could put a lot of the stuff in the atmosphere as I move forward in the Lord to rest. Now you know. Definitely highlights of some of the most traumatic things that have came through my traditional training and that's my trauma. Okay? But other than that, don't worry about knowing people try to know God that's who all of us need to get to know amen try to get to know God you all have a beautiful blessed fabulous faithful Friday and as always may the blessings of the Lord flow 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 down into your life from heaven meet all of your needs some of your wants and even some of your heart desires as you delight yourself in him your good wants now And may you prosper and be in good health, even as your soul prosper. Until the next podcast, thanks for tuning in to WDGS 333 on your podcast station. Peace out.